Justin. Yes, sir. Welcome to the show. We are going to talk some stuff today, Justin. We're going to talk about the American dream at the end of this. As there was a documentary on it, I want to just kind of gloss over that a little bit and kind of recommend it. I think it was important, some of the things they showed us. We're going to talk about WWE a little bit and do they have a Rhodes issue? Do they have what? Go home. Wait, wait. That was me messing up the timing. That was my WWE impression. And let's see, do they have a Seth Rollins issue there? Bleacher Reports' Philip Lindsay wrote an article about whether or not the WWE has a Seth Rollins issue. But first, we're going to talk about the thing that Dusty Rhodes may have had the most influence on AEW. True story. Well, dude, I think that people underrate how much influence he has across the, the whole spectrum of things. A, Cody helped start that company. So, therefore, he had influence on it. But also, when you see what AEW tries to do with the layers of storytelling and some of it trying to be realistic and some and allowing people to be themselves, and you can, you know, as Seth would say, you know, Terry Taylor would give him the business in developmental, and when he, when he would leave the room, Dusty would say, you just be you, baby. Be you. Find yep. the thing about your character, your personality that makes you you. Blow it to 11. Put it out there. In that documentary, they talk about how Dusty's place in NXT, Dave Zirin, who's one of my favorite writers, is in that documentary. And he said, look, his influence on the horsewomen alone is huge when it comes to modern wrestling. I never thought about this really until you just said this, but I could make an argument that if we look at the next 20 years going forward in professional wrestling, Dusty Rhodes' impact will be much greater than Vince McMahon's is. That in the lifetime of pro wrestling, Dusty Rhodes' ability to chain, help people you know, understand their characters, become better workers, just his work across the business, behind the scenes, with people, may have an impact that lasts as long or, you know, if not better than Vince, greater than Vince McMahon's, but at least as potent as powerful. Especially if you combine Hunter's influence as well. Yeah, because that's a lot of that. Right. Again, there's that. He's affected so many people that then go out and preach his message. Think about it this way. The four horsewomen are the beginning of we can tell stories beneath the championship in the women's division that don't have to do with bras and panties and don't have to do with men. And that alone, and you see in AEW as they're trying to do it, with success or not with success, whatever you want to say, but they're trying to do that in AEW. They do that very well right now. Very well is an overstatement, but they are doing that well in WWE right now. There is an argument that the three Beyonce's are a huge are probably the biggest thing in pro wrestling at this moment. Three Beyonce's being Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, The Shield. And yeah, they are, and you know, if you look across the landscape of pro wrestling, how many people do you see who are Dusty Rhodes disciples who are at the top, around the top, are the people that you want to watch? Roman is the biggest figure in pro wrestling at this moment. Yep. Mox is writing his own stuff, working with whomever he wants to work with. Right now, it's the elite. 
Before that, he had been working with some other people. Mox is the kind of guy who is going to help you build your roster. He understands that it's not about him. Mm-hmm. Seth Rollins has been doing that for two years. He's probably yep. the most important wrestler in WWE because he's the guy that feeds the fodder to Roman. Mm-hmm. He he makes this person look competitive enough to defeat Roman. Then that person gets in the ring and, and you know, you can say what you want after it's over, but the rivalry is on firm footing when it starts because of Seth. Yeah. He's built your roster. He made Austin Theory seem strong. All those things. So, and I do think, too, there's a thing, too. Another thing that they said in that documentary was that Dusty, that Vince originally wanted Dusty to be Hogan. He had the idea of the Hogan character, but Mm -hmm. it was... Dusty, who he wanted in that role, but Dusty had the opportunity to go to Crockett Promotions, which at the time, according to them, was a bit of a shite show. And he chose to go down there so he could book and he could write and he could create. Mm -hmm. And Cody has the quote where he said, Dusty looked at wrestling like a movie. To him, it was theater, as we know in our intro, which will be coming soon. I'm sorry we're running this long before the intro. We look at wrestling as theater. We look at it as a form of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Dusty went, I don't know why Dusty went the Crockett Promotions route, but I do have a feeling that he wanted, he knew you couldn't reach the common man without being a common man. And that's not how Vince was telling stories at the time and definitely not what he wanted to do with the Hogan character. Now, Hogan admits in this documentary that he was just a, a lot of what he did was Dusty Road stuff. Uh, yeah. Right? <laughs> and so, so there's that. Now, we're going to dive further into the dock at the end of this, but right now we're going to get into AEW after this. Welcome to Go Home Heat, a wrestling podcast. Here at Go Home Heat, our contributors focus on the stories and character arcs of the live action drama art form. An art form dating back to Zeus, featuring Lincoln and a bear and peeking with Robocop and Sting. In the words of Xavier Woods, the last form of theater in the round. And now, go home heat. Justin, we were texting back and forth with the AEW. I didn't get a whole lot out of Rampage this week. Uh, I guess Jungle Boy might not be Jungle Boy anymore, which I guess he's going to have to lose the loincloth. I think, but, it's time, I think it's time to move past that, almost. Yeah, the crowd's not going to let him get, do away with that song, though. No, no, that's okay. That You can keep the song. Just use, just lose the loincloth. Let's lose the loincloth, and, and you know. I agree. Oh you know, man, you remember? Oh man, how many guys a week can we think of that had some junk attached to their stuff at the beginning that now we don't even think about anymore years later? Golly, there was a time when uh, <laughs> there was a time when Cody didn't wear knee pads. Oh God, it, remember that? God, he, I hated it so he, much. Yeah, he looked like he had he was a chicken or something. That's one of my personal pet peeves. It just is that if you're wearing Riddle can get away with it because he doesn't wear shoes. But if you wear shoes and shorts, you need knee pads to break up the in between. I'm sorry, it just looks weird. Okay, to be fair though, I did not. I don't know what Riddle's done with his pants. No, they're terrible now. Wow. That, that, I don't know what he learned in his therapy sessions. But it, uh, to let it all be out there, bro. Be out there, buddy. He's as close to naked as you can get. 
boots to kind of give you the, the false impression that he's wearing more. Man. Woof. Okay, let's get back into this, though. So, I, so really, I didn't get a whole lot of takeaways from that. Everything was kind of just, it, it was okay. It's not a bad show. They're supposedly coming at us. Ah, the rumor mill. Anyway, one of these Russell things is, is reporting that, it's, it's on multiple ones now, is reporting that we're getting a Saturday night wrestling show from AEW and that, and this has got to be, I, I think this is just somebody spitballing. And you know what? I'm glad I didn't give him credit because I don't even know if there's a source on this. Mm-hmm. I think it could be an assumption style source, which I yes. think we get a lot more of in pro wrestling than we, than oh, we yeah. think. Supposedly, we get a Saturday night show, and they may be splitting it up into brands. These are my words, as in the punk brand and the Jericho brand. Because <laughs> Jericho kind of has pushed back whenever anybody on Twitter says he should work with punk. Mm-hmm. You know, he and he's been outgoing. Now, that could be Jericho knowing that he wants a feud with punk when punk gets back. Yeah. He's not, you know, he's slick like that. We do know that they're going to have a Saturday night show. That it's going to be CM Punk's show is complete conjecture and rumor. But that's interesting enough. And it, But, hey, I guarantee you Punk was influenced by Dusty. Oh, God, yes. You're oh, right. Yeah. Well, Dusty and Heyman, Paul Heyman, have their fingerprints all over modern wrestling. Right. Where Vince... It almost seems like people are trying to break away from Vince in modern wrestling, where they are leaning into the Dusty and Paul Correct. You know, philosophy of pro wrestling. Correct, and 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 Heyman is a is a Rhodes disciple. Yeah, as well, and then that's that's also in that doc, by the way. Okay, so we get okay. First of all, foremost, I think this is the most important thing that is not going under the radar to me, but. Jay White was said to be going to WWE. Boom, he winds up in AEW right after Vince supposedly is back on the scene, which is no shocker to me. They're calling themselves the Bullet Club Gold version. Mm -hmm. They're going into something with Ricky Starks. Yeah. You love it? I do, man. You got, I like Juice Robinson. Love him. Who has evolved throughout the years in a lot, like so many different versions of Juice Robinson. But yeah, I think he's a great character. I think he'll do great. And I think Ricky Starks is a great rivalry to start out with. Jay White, man. Come on, dude. That dude's... To me, Jay White has been either the top heel in pro wrestling or top three heels in pro wrestling for multiple years now. Do you think think he can come over there and kind of upset MJF's little apple cart a little bit of, you know, we don't... You see what I'm saying? If we got another guy who can be the, the the bad guy and be the best bad guy, does that make you a little less of a having a stranglehold? Well, I would say he is a better negotiator than Cody was. Mm-hmm. Because I would have had that thing figured out before I walked in the building if I was Cody. Oh, God, yeah. I wouldn't have been losing at Mania. No, no, no. <laughs> Y'all can book it however you want day after Mania. But yeah. my second mania, I need to win a title. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dude, and, and man, they had, and, and I'm not going to put this on Vince because I, I think Triple H had enough power in, in this that if he'd been pushing from the jump, we'd have had either Cody or Sammy 
win that, that thing. That would have been the way to tell that story. I don't care which one of them did it. Right. But for the, I don't care if you use them to split the belts. You could have done that. You right. could have had night one, night two. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree. Now let's get back to here though, because if he's got a good negotiator, then. He is a champion in the first year, which means you either have and, and Tony's not opposed to going heel heel, mm-hmm. like some companies can be. So yes. putting MJF Jay White against each other and having Juice outside the ring is interesting. Also, like we said before, I'll tell you what we'll we'll we'll, we'll delve into that in a second because I'm a little worried for Ricky Starks. Because yeah. we do have a thing where you go, and it happens in every company. Roman wrestles a guy, guy loses, guy goes down the card. Mm-hmm. MJF wrestles Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks go in the program with the new guy. You get a little worried what happens to Ricky. Does he wind up on dark? How does that work? I, I feel like Ricky's a big enough star that he can do that, but then I, you know, I don't even know where Miro is right now. Yeah, where's that guy? Right, and so I don't, I don't know. We did have the return of Jeff Hardy. Good for him. I'm a little scared because it's just a tough environment for him to be in. We're all happy. But Leary. Dude, is, yeah. Is Leary a good word? Leary is an excellent word. Okay. Now, let's move into we have the first match on the show, and we wind up with two programs coming out of it. First of all, great match. Oh, God, yeah. We were texting, me, you, Jamil, were texting through this whole thing. Great match coming out of it. It looks as if we get Swerve in a program with Keith Lee. Uh, that comes later. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. What on earth? Okay, but we do get Darby going over and winding up in this scenario with MJF. And I, I enjoyed the feedback back and forth. I thought Sting coming out. I was a little frustrated with it at first until he started talking. I like the mm-hmm. fact that he hearkened Cody. I like the fact that we're acknowledging that MJF didn't get there on their own because that's the opposite of what MJF wants you to believe, which both in on-screen and off-screen mm-hmm. work. Oh, God, yeah. I don't want a ton of sting in this, though, because I loved the Darby back and forth. Yeah, I think I like that Sting just came out there to kind of emphasize, hey, you had somebody out here with his hand on your shoulder, too, that mm-hmm. was getting you up the mountain. So let's not pretend that Darby was the only one out here with a mentor. you know. And if he just backs out of it now, I think it's perfect. I agree. Now, I did love the This Plastic World's not is not taking me alive. Max, I'm leaving the same person I came in as and the AEW champion. I love that line back and forth. I think they can do the back and forth well here. I think the next thing that MJF winds up getting into will give us more of a promo off. I'm trying to defeat you in these promos. I think this is going to be a thing where we're trying to anoint one another further up. Yes, you're trying to build each other up. Right. MJF will try to do it by making him look like he'll say derogatory things, but then Darby will be able to retort. He'll leave something in it that Darby can come back on him with so that it's back and forth. Right. Further building Darby, which I, 
I think we need to do because Darby is one of those guys that, you know, all these pillar matchups, you said it in our text. The Naming guys the four pillars is perfect if MJF wrestles all of them in this title run and eventually loses to one of them. Mm -hmm. And that gives you the way to play off of these things for years to come. Well, and for things to be epic, you've got to create epic stories between these characters that you can go years and years and years hearkening back to. So to get there, you got to start out by setting up these story arcs that create heroic matchups and, you know, villainous turns and stuff so that you have stuff to, you know, play back to. You've got to tell the big stories, though. And sometimes it feels like they get a little too film school and they forget that you got to tell the big stories before you tell every other little thing, you know. It's important to have the epic two or three match run between Darby and MGF where somebody, you know, maybe Darby comes out on top or, you know, Sammy Guevara turning on JAS to because he doesn't think they're going to put him in front and he finally decides he needs to, you know. The Big Bang comes before the development yes. of everything. Right. Here is where you begin to do that. Mm-hmm. But to do that, you're going to have to have Max lose some. Because for heroes to be heroes, they have to overcome the bad guy a couple times. It, you know, that's kind of the problem, again, with the other companies having right now. Nobody's overcoming the bad guy. Right. But but we got time to do that, though. We're early yeah. on in the MJF story. He definitely has time. Right. We're early on in that process. He's in on the other show. Yeah. Now, Hobbs seems oh. to be going into a program with Wardlow. Both these guys kind of got to win. What, what are we thinking? That seems like a... Uh, a Marvel movie matchup. We got two guys very similar to each other. Mm-hmm. Make a fight. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Like Wardlow was MJF and Wardlow. That whole story was so good, and it seemed like Wardlow was ready to be anointed something, and then yet here we are. Well, you didn't have a plan for it. They didn't have a plan for what story they wanted to tell next. They just got the character there, and they're like, "Well, it'll be fine." But you got to keep telling stories. Right. And right now Orange Cassidy is in that spot. You know, you have with AEW who's the who's the guy that's the guy and then who's the hot guy. Right now Orange Cassidy's the hot guy. He's the hot guy. He's giving you the best wrestling matches. People are loving it. Who would have thought that a couple years ago, dude? I didn't. Cassidy coming out there putting on like every like he's been the curtain he was the curtain jerker there for about three like two or three months there just about. Mm -hmm. They'd opened up with that all Atlantic championship or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. He's coming out there putting on clinics. And it's amazing because to me, that's one of the more interesting. It's one of the more interesting titles right now in pro wrestling in that he's constantly defending it and constantly giving you great matches. It looks like he's going into a program with Malachi's crew. The first match of that program was Fant. Buddy Murphy's a great wrestler. Buddy Murphy's a great wrestler. And that right there was a way of making both guys look good. Buddy Murphy did not look like he lost that match. He looks like, you know, Orange Cassidy escaped that match with a win. To me, it's interesting. Now, do we get the Brody the Brody King match? Does that happen before or after Malachi? I think it's going to. 
you think we're going to do the, the classic work your way up to the boss? I feel like that's what you do, but I'm not 100% sure that I think the boss should be in the mid-card title thing. Does he tell different stories? Yeah. Well, they haven't given him... You almost got to establish him a little bit because they've treated the House of Black so poorly before that. You I, know? I like where your head's at because I think where your head's at is we've established the belt with Orange. Mm-hmm. Now put the belts on Malachi and let them further establish each other. Yes. And then you move Malachi into something bigger. There you go. And Orange beating Brody King makes him ready for the ultimate boss. Yes. I like that. I like that. I hope that's the way they go. Now then, I guess we have to talk about... Every storyline doesn't have to subvert your expectations. Sometimes you can just go with... You fight the third best, you fight the second best, you fight the top guy. Woo-hoo. Yeah, right. It works. It, timeless, right? Yeah, but, Street Fighter ain't wrong. <laughs> Street Fighter is not wrong. Correct. Now, we have the uh, the outcasts. Yes, not not definitely not the outsiders. Correct. So they are doing the homage on a weekly basis. This week they <laughs> went... Huh? <laughs> <laughs> right, they did the. Uh, she, she, uh, Paige Soraya said in a interview that she felt like the green in the paint was an homage to DX, and the paint itself was an homage to the NWO. And then they did the three Beyonces Shield mm-hmm. triple power bomb thing. I want to say it's losing steam with me. I don't know that it ever had a ton of steam with me. So maybe I'm the wrong guy here. I, I was interested in the fact that there were chants for DMD during all of this. It's amazing how DMD has become the babyface. Well, yeah, and I think they've done a great job of doing that switch. That, that I have liked that part of it where they've switched her and Hater over to being the babyfaces. I think that they've done well. I think they've just got to figure out, well, it's interesting to me because like a lot of wrestling companies, they'll have the same storyline going on in two places at the same time. Yeah. Because Blackpool Combat Club is doing the same storyline. The only guy in Blackpool Combat Club who's not a AEW guy is Wheeler Yuta, and he's like the junior. So right. you've got three outsiders coming in telling all these guys they're not real professional wrestlers, and we're the only real professionals here. And you got Daniel Bryant all of a sudden turning heel again and – He's the, you know, come on, dude. It's the same story. We're just doing it a little better because it's not a direct. You're not seeing it as being such a direct rip as the theme, the outsiders over here. But doing that at the same time, doing like doing that like. with it's just not fair to Soraya and Tony. And Mm-mm. I agree with that. It, dude. Think about it. I, I, I like all I like all those performers over the years. But come on, man, Daniel Bryan and Mox are the best at talking their way into things, and they just started this thing. Think about the way they've run roughshod for the last couple of weeks, and then you have the yeah. elite coming back to save, you know, save us from all of this. Yeah, you know, dude. Everybody feels bad for Cutler. And knock. 
Just in, in, in just general, they get treated like crap all the time. And then their bosses who treat them like crap get beat up and they go out there and take this pummeling for their bosses. And now all of a sudden we, we want the young bucks to right these wrongs. Yeah. Especially since the young bucks were apparently just sitting backstage watching them take a beating for like <laughs> solid minutes before they decided to come out there and do something about it. Yeah. The fact that the fact that they, it's one thing for somebody to be the bait, <laughs> right? It's another thing to let the bait be eaten and then yes. go out. Yes. <laughs> They were very much the goat from Jurassic Park, man. They just got <laughs> left out there. <laughs> that is the um that is a trope in wrestling that is timeless. The Monday night version where at least they had an excuse for Sammy and Riddle to be late. Be late. You know, because geez, every time you see this happen, you're like, well, isn't isn't he back there in catering or something? Is what Yeah, dude. Somebody gonna like he's like I gotta finish this taquito. (laughs) (laughs) Save my body. Then there's going to be hell to pay once this taquito is done being eaten. Okay, so the the main event, believe it or not, was Keith Lee Jericho. And I don't have a problem with that being a main event. I was super frustrated with the result. You know me. I don't like to get frustrated with the results. But Chris Jericho going over Keith Lee frustrated me to no end. And then... Even with a head... I don't care if you hit him in the head with a hammer. Right. I I don't care. It was not needed. Well, there was 20 minutes before that that Keith could have finished the match. Yeah, any of those moments. Right. But whatever. I realize now we're getting Cole versus Jericho in a program... I don't love it, but I think that it will be. I think it will be as good as anything with Jericho can be at this point in Jericho's career. Yes, because Cole is a fantastic performer. He's great on the stick. Jericho can still talk. I think this will be very, very good. Um, Jericho did. Here's my thing with Jericho right now. It feels as if he may not have learned the lessons that I thought he learned when I watched the rise and fall of WCW on the WWE network. Yes. I know what you mean. Is that fair enough? We, we know that he's got Tony's ear now that, that he, we know that he is a, a, uh, he is a political animal when it comes to pro wrestling. And mm-hmm. he and there's nothing wrong with that. He comes from a time when all wrestlers were political animals. Had to be. Had, Had to, to be. be to survive. Ton of talent running around at the time. Still is, but so Jericho being in this program with Cole can only make me think one thing. Cole is going to go over with Jericho and immediately challenge MJF. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense for Jericho to go over. None. No, then I will be, I will lose my mind if that's where we're going with this. Well, and, and yeah, and you keep, always worry that these guys are going to start thinking that they're smarter than the business and that the rules that apply to everyone else don't apply to them. That they knew before this was a terrible idea to do something like this, but when they're doing it, like, oh, but I'm different. You know why you're different? Because they love you more than they loved them. Yes. Which is exactly what they told themselves. 
exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Okay. Any things you can say about Kevin Nash, but Kevin Nash was never confused about the reality of the situation. No. Most of Kevin Nash's bad, as they said, you know, he was in control of booking when the finger poke of doom went down. The 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 worst thing you can really say about Kevin was his bad booking decisions, I believe, happened due to the fact that Hogan had control of his character. Yes. Cole, MJF, we're going to talk about it more when it happens. I just think that the match can be match of the year candidate. The program going in should be feud of the year. They will try to eviscerate each other on the mic. Mm-hmm. I think the world will get a little bit of a taste of that. The ones who didn't know what the people who didn't watch NXT mm-hmm. will get a taste of this. I love it. Now, what we do when it's over, do we wind up with a Bullet Club Gold new member? Oh, that could definitely be. You know, it could be that or it could be the old. Uh, Jay White decides he doesn't want another former head of Bullet Club around. You know, it could be either one of those two stories. Jay White calls himself the catalyst of yes. wrestling. Does that mean I pick? Does that mean I pick who the champ is, and I put my guy there? Or does that mean what you said? We have Cole, MJF dead to rights. White comes out. Everybody assumes, oh, he's going to help. Boom. Switch oh. you know, The switchblade move. It's over. Right? And then you hand him to MJF. As we know, AEW refs don't ever see anything. Boom. I love it. I love it. And I love what we're doing with the world title picture a lot right now. Mm-hmm. I like what we're doing with that mid-card title a lot right now. I don't. I love FTR being champs. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I, they're in a good spot right now. They're doing really yeah. well. Now, let's go over because leading into WrestleMania, we all said WWE was on a roll. Yes. (laughs) And coming out, we've got people on the ledge. They want to jump off. How on earth is Roman still the champ? I don't want to dive too much into that specifically because what I want to get to is with Cody, do we have a Cody Rhodes problem? Look, they pulled the trigger too late. We all acknowledge that. They should have pulled it at Mania. So if we're putting him in a program with Lesnar and he goes over Lesnar at Backlash, A, does he? Mm, and if he does, what's to tell me they're not going to do three more runbacks of that and then make him do it again at SummerSlam? Is this a multiple? That's the question. Do you, do you think there's any way Cody can hold his popularity without the world title for a year for a rematch with Roman? Nobody can. Right. That's just ridiculous, dude. Right. And it, it when when they should have pulled the trigger on Roman with Batista at the Rumble that one time, and then it yeah. was too late to ever pull the trigger with Roman again. He had to go heal before he wound up being well, someone we cared about. This is me off. It makes every Roman Reigns program between now and next year irrelevant. Correct. That's a waste of time on television because nobody's going to believe you. Right. And even if you decide to pull the trigger, yeah, it'll be surprising, but it won't people. It You've just, you timing is everything in a story, man. And I'm sorry. <laughs> like, 
like WWE just does not want to recognize it at times or ever. Right. I they have missed so many glaringly obvious t- chances to seize a moment. It's and, absolutely okay to give me what you're supposed to give me sometimes. Yes. Everybody don't have to be M. Night Shyamalan. And to be fair, they did that in night one. Yes. And that was the greatest. Like, we were sitting there saying, man, they do night two like they did like night one. This will go down in history. And it did. The opposite way. In fall, the biggest fall off <laughs> in the last five seconds of a show ever. Well, one problem you have, too, if you're going to try to keep Cody as hot as he is, on the route to Mania, you had to fit. You had to really get tricky with the booking of Sami Zayn and Seth because they were both really hot. Mm-hmm. And you know, you had Becky. You know, she did a thing with Stephen A. Smith, and she said, "Well, I, you know, does Cody really need to be the guy?" And she was the one that raised the whole "Did he pay his dues?" comment up. Mm-hmm. And then of course, it went into other places. But Cody addressed that I thought excellently on Monday night. The trickiness of the booking of Sammy. Right, because you had to kind of keep him out of the title picture after he lost, and you might have put him in something else. You can't keep doing that to hot performers before you're the problem. You've created bottleneck at the top mm-hmm. in that you can't have three people feuding with Roman Reigns at the same time. Right. If I had two belts. Correct. I can make this work. If I had two champs, I could make this work because I could have one of these guys working with one guy, two of these guys doing something with the other guy, or maybe one and one, and then the third guy is got the whatever mid-card or build-up feud we need to go on to get him a little higher, pick the third person. to. But with the bottleneck that they've created through there, again, heard about a guy who's a writer, wrote detective stories, wrote mysteries, and he wrote it from back to front. He always knew his ending before he started like i know how i'm going to end this before i start it and i think like lots of times especially in wrestling they would benefit from thinking from the back to the front and starting there because they get so discombobulated on the path sammy's now in your tag team division do you like riddle being involved in this i mean you got to have a neutralizer for solo and that one actually makes plot sense so I don't really have a problem with that. And I think he kind of works with Kevin and Sammy. You can have Cammy, Kevin and Sammy talk. You can have Ro, uh, him sit there and be goofy, you know, but still be dangerous. I can, If you're doing it for a short period of time, I can see it. I think that I, you know what they've got as big as they've got a other problem? They've got a solo problem. What do you think? I don't, I, dude, they are booking this guy like he's a murder machine, man. And it's just like Riddle came back and Riddle got beat by that guy, dude. I mean, I don't care that there was help. They're, they're pushing this guy hard, man. And I don't, his in-ring work is not that. I think he's doing pretty good. Oh, he's pretty good, but he's pretty good. Right. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I, I actually kind of like it, I don't know that he needs to be the only one wrestling. Like, maybe he should have done one match or the other. Mm-hmm. Right? And not well, he, both. Well, yeah. And here, if he's beating everybody, why should they wrestle Roman? Well, here's the other question. 
when Paul Heyman said Roman Reigns is getting tired of you, he wasn't oh, he talking to Sammy. Uh-uh. Talking to the Usos. He's looking dead at him. Right. So is all of this to to get it to where it's solo Roman Paul? Oh, it could be. Now that I like that better because I, it makes it more manageable. It, yeah, and it kind of makes sense as to why he's the only one fighting the battles. Yes. And whenever they put Jay and Jimmy out there solo, they get beat. Mm-hmm. Right, it got kind of makes sense a little bit. Now, transferring to the other guy that was kind of, sort of, maybe could have been in a world title picture, the guy who has openly said, I never thought I was the guy, the guy who said, you know, yeah, sure, I held the belt at the end of WrestleMania, but I've never main evented WrestleMania. Is Seth Rollins. And, you know, yeah. his, his wife pointed out, you know, what about, you know, you're going to put the belt on Cody. My man stayed. Mm-hmm. My man was the face of the company, and he was the face of the company in that he caught all the flack when AEW started. Mm-hmm. He caught all the flack when New Japan was getting this hot new run because of the little, to some degree, his own mouth shot off at, at Osprey, mm-hmm. but still. I'll just, I think Seth is a WWE company man. He, he kind of reminds me of uh, Undertaker. Or like, Sean. Or Sean, man. He does. Yeah, he's not going – he's going to rep for you. But he has yet to take his ball and go home. Mm-hmm. And we have a situation where Becky is getting to the point where she says, you know, I don't know how much longer I could do this. She's basically on a retirement tour right now, wrestling retired wrestlers. Mm-hmm. I love Trish turning heel. I think that's a cool storyline going into Backlash. It yep. is – the funny thing about Backlash this year is it's not rematch Backlash. It's stories that branch off of results yeah. of backlash, which I think is neat. Now, if Becky does go away, does Seth at some point wonder, man, I tell you what, if I'm going to just be here wrestling 17 minutes every Monday night, every Monday night, should I maybe wrestle once a month and do a half hour in Japan? Yeah. Yeah. Does he want to? Because what did what has benefited him besides the paychecks? Do you think he wanted to be in a program where he fakes getting knocked out twice by Logan Paul? Yeah, no, when, no, he did not. When people already make fun of him for not, when people who don't like him make fun of him for not being a real fighter. Mm-hmm. When the guy attacked him in the in the runway, people were you know he sprawled, grabbed the dude, controlled him. People got there. Yeah, everybody said he got his ass whooped. No, he didn't. He just controlled the guy, dude. I watched that. But they did that because he's not a real fighter. He's admitted he's not a real fighter, and people are like that. And so he's going out there this year and just falling flat on his face twice. I'm sure he probably came up with the idea to do it. Mm-hmm. But he came. But that's the thing is we've seen him time and again work with Cody, work with Logan, work with theory and they all look like they should be the world champ when it's over. Yeah. At some point you got to start <laughs> saying man, that guy should be the world champ. You know who else is in that position? Sheamus. Oh God. See again, because you have one guy at the top, you're getting this glut of people under them that or by necessity, because you don't have enough stories to tell, somebody's going to start rotting. 
Right. And you know what I mean by rotting. You know, you know, it's they're going to keep trying to push them like they, and people are going to get soured because they're not going anywhere. Right. Or they keep getting to the top and losing. You know, Finn Balor is getting close. I think if if something were to happen, Finn is in that position kind of now too, yeah. where it's yeah. hey, to me the world champion. If there is a world champion in Judgment Day is in a spot where, to me, Damian Priest is the next world champ if there's a world champ in that bunch. He mm. got to stay away from the fray mm. during Mania a little bit. He'll be in a big thing with Bad Bunny here at this little backlash. I'm sure that Dom eats the pin. Dom look, Damian looks like a killer. And then we go off and we try to get him into bigger programs. He's a great talker. He looks the part. It works. Back to Finn Balor. Finn never got his big run. Nope. Wasn't his fault, Seth and him. He got hurt when he was wrestling Seth. He didn't get his big run. He's never going to get his big run. Mm-mm. And now we have Finn, Sheamus, and Seth. All fantastic performers. Seth and Sheamus, more so than Finn, deserve a world championship run before they're too old to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't think either gets it again. No, not not unless they make a because again, you've told me you're putting all of that on hold for at least another year. Right. Another year you've got to put that on hold. And if Cody wins the belt, Seth doesn't get to wrestle it. him. He's already had his feud. Uh-huh. He's lost to him three times. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like I it really is. Like I don't know. There's a conundrum there. I don't know where it goes from there. That's basically what I wanted to talk about with WWE. So I do want to slide now into the Dusty Rhodes doc. Did you get to watch it yet? I have not. I'm not. Okay, well, good. I'm going to tell you about it. Okay, I'm watching the Elvis docu-pick. And I see the part at the beginning of the movie, Elvis is in a very poor area. Ton of, it, it, you could say it's a mixed place that he's being raised but it it seems more like there's more african-americans there than Mm -hmm. white people and they kind of paint that same picture in this dusty documentary and when Mm -hmm. i saw the elvis one i saw elvis sneak into the church and they had the big scene with the gospel choir and all that i thought to myself sitting in the audience that's very similar to dusty's story because i had heard that dusty had snuck in the back of some of these churches and seen that and you can see in his cadence, you can see oh, in the, you could see in Dusty when he would start out talking calmly and contained and he would build to whatever the uh, resolution would be or the proposal for a revolution, a resolution, right? Mm. The, we need to fight here and I will end you, right? Mm-hmm. He builds to that in the way a preacher would build to the, well, the result is the healing yeah. voice. The result is the healing savior. You know, yeah. he did the same things there. Like I said, Dave Zirin is fantastic. Brandy Collins Dexter is another person that's in there. That is an author. And she is great too. In pointing out what dusty meant to the common man, but also along with Booker T how dusty kind of bridged the gap in a time where there weren't a lot of African-American wrestlers, mm-hmm. uh, getting over. Yeah. Dusty kind of championed not only the son of a plumber working man for Mm -hmm. the Caucasian audience, 
he also kind of did oh, that yeah. with the African American audience. And he bre- he reached and the undercurrent that I didn't even think about till recently is Zirin said, you know, I grew up in New York and watching Crockett promotions on once we got cable, it was real. WWE wasn't, right? Mm-hmm. Hogan wasn't real. Dustin Flair was. Mm-hmm. You know? Then you also have the undercurrent of how Dusty pushes uh behind the scenes to get Ron Simmons the belt. And you see Dusty pushing with the four horsewomen. To, so there are these things of this. I, I just watched a documentary on the New York Dolls, the lead singer of the New York Dolls, Johansson. And he was talking about how they were they were saying things about the way he cross-dressed and how he was trying to push back. And he said, you know, I wasn't thinking about it as much antagonistically. I was thinking about it more along the lines of I wanted everyone to come to the party. Mm-hmm. Whether you were gay, straight, vegan, I didn't care. I just wanted mm-hmm. everybody at the party. Yeah. And Dusty had a way of bringing yep. everybody to the party. There's a couple of undercurrents in this doc. One of them is the family story we know a little bit of, but it's one that I think has been told a million times realistically in that not only do we know Dusty's story with Dustin, but just in general, a man has a family when he's young that doesn't work out. He moves out. He has a family when he's older. Those children from the second marriage wind up getting to live with the father. Mm-hmm. So their issues are different from the issues of the younger ones who get to visit during the summer. Mm-hmm. Dustin had to basically become a wrestler to be with his dad. Yes. Cody became a wrestler because he wanted to be a wrestler. Mm-hmm. And his dad was influential in that, but it wasn't, there wasn't a desperation there. No, there wasn't an effort for, for approval and connection. Right. And we know the story of the natural Dustin Rhodes and how he winds up in in dealing with drugs and all that. And all that gets played out. But I also think the undercurrent that is very interesting to me is what we've talked about at length here, which is that Dusty was able to bring everybody to the party, both, as a performer and as an influence. And I think if nothing else, what we have seen, the most important aspect of pro wrestling going forward is that everyone's at the party. Yes. We see cruiserweights. We see luchadors. We see the influence of, you know, we have a forbidden door, which is a silly name for pay-per-view, but there, there are, New Japan wrestling here in the States, and it's not just one guy. No. Right? But who was booking when Muda comes to the States to be with Sting? Dusty. Dusty. Mm-hmm. Right? There's so many things that we can credit Dusty with. And yeah. it's, and it's, uh, I think it's underrated what an athlete he was. You know, I, oh. I, I've seen footage of him giving guys the business probably 200 pounds overweight in basketball games. Everybody everybody else on the court is in perfect shape, and he's giving them the business. You know, <laughs> Cody tells stories about how, you know, at the at the pool he'd wear, you know, his weenie wrap, you know what I mean? Because well, that was his uniform at work, right? Yeah. And, you know, he'd sit there, watch the kids, whatever, and then he would, you know, every now and then he'd hit the diving board and do a, you know, a flip and a dive. 
Yeah. Right. The triple Lindy. Right. 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 So I, I think that's in there too. And I, I, you know, you have Seth in the dock and Becky in the dock and Cody in the dock. All of the children are in the dock, and and the and the second wife is in the dock. And I think they do a great job. Cody produces it, but they tell a story that I think needs to be told time and again because I don't think that we're ever going to give Dusty enough flowers. No. Uh-uh. No. All right, man. Let's wrap this up, bro. Thank you so much. No, thank you, sir. That was fun. All right, man. We'll talk later. This yes. has been a Go Home Heat production. Check out our friends at the Daily Smart. Check out our friends at the Game Project, the GINN Project.com. And if you would like to sponsor us, feel free to hit me up on the Twitter machine at Go Home Heat. Also... Also, if you're listening to us, like, subscribe. Oh, yeah, that thing. That'd be neat. I never say that because I don't ever think about that, which is silliness. Okay, so on that note, Justin. Go home. Awesome. Thank you, folks. Dude, appreciate you. No, I appreciate you. Vince McMahon's mustache. Worst thing I've ever seen. Yeah, we could do. We're going to probably that'll be the whole next episode. Yeah.